Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. This platform is designed to share coaches, leaders, and influencers' journeys and experiences. Hope you're inspired by them so that you can serve others better and inspire them as well. Today's guest is Akeem Muskdeen. Coach Mustine is an assistant coach at Florida Atlantic University. We talked to him today about growing up in Chicago and his experiences. We talk about how to prepare to win, to educate yourself, and how to be consistent. Hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Glad to be here. Glad to be here, Mike. Appreciate you coming on, Coach. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of things going on. Uh, so here again, appreciate your time and, and you making the time and, and, and being on. So, Coach, I want to ask you, uh, how were you introduced to the game of basketball? So, Mike, I, I was introduced um, by my brother. It's just the area I grew up in. I'm from the Chicago area. Yeah. Uh, my family, we moved all throughout Chicago land. Um, just because of the violence and and to be quite honest, like I got four older brothers, and yeah. every time we move, there's more violence. And wow! It was more so because of them. <laughs> I mean, they were in games and this and stuff. Um, but they introduced me. I was my, one of my brothers is four years older than me. Everyone, else, everyone, the other my brothers, they're they're really older than me. But the guy interested in my brother that's four years older than me. He used to take me everywhere, and one of the places he took me was the boys and girls club. Yeah. So just. Been around the Boys and Girls Club, just been about around basketball. So at age four, I was already in bitty ball leagues in Chicago. Like, bitty ball is, is big time in Chicago. So yeah. I was in bitty ball leagues and, and just around. And in my area specifically, Maywood, Bellwood area out of Chicago, you got Michael Finley, you got Corey McGetty, you got even guys that's older than that, Doc Rivers. Um, so those guys used to come back and have basketball camps. So I would attend those camps. And that's how I got introduced to it. Just the area that I grew up in, the Boys and Girls Club, and my brother. That's great, man. Like you, you, uh, you mentioned some big time names there. I mean, those weren't, uh, you know, just guys who had a little time in the league. I mean, they're guys that are still having an impact on what's going on in the league, and uh, and also just got pillars of the community. Yeah, you know, and everybody around the NBA knows who they are. And to come from that kind of background, the same background, same background as them, is for, and for them to have that kind of influence on you, it's fantastic. Now, I, I do kind of want to bring up something because you're you're hitting on a hot topic right now as far as violence there in Chicago, like that whole situation. I mean, I love Chicago. I've been there and just loved it, man. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I walked away thinking I could live here. You know what I mean? And I'm from you know sleepy old San Antonio, Texas. And, uh, you know, I'll just, I, I kind of want to ask you about that. Like, how you how are you feeling right now about about the whole Chicagoland situation right now as far as what's going on over there? Yeah, and I'm not sitting too well with it. Um, you know, each day I think about what can I apply to my community. So over the last couple uh, years, I've been convicted on trying to do something. Uh, you know, Michael Finley doesn't do his camp anymore. Um, Corey McGetty doesn't do his camp anymore. Um, you know, we got some younger players like uh, Sterling Brown who does a camp and other guys. But for me, I'm thinking about possibly doing a camp, teaming up with other coaches, uh, yeah. 
that's from the area. And we got a lot of coaches that's from the Chicagoland area and, and my area specifically. And we're trying to do camps and do stuff about it. Uh, but uh, it's not been well with me, you know, because that's my community. Um, that's why one of the reasons why I go recruit as much as I can in that community and try to pull some of those guys away. Um, I just, you know, I pray that, that it changes. Um, I pray that we have more boys and girls clubs and different activities for the kids. That's yeah. one of the reasons why there's so much violence because the activities that they don't have, um, the after-school activities that they don't have, you know. Um, when I was growing up, yeah, that I was, I mean, I was in school from eight to two or three, and yeah, from uh, two or three to seven or eight p.m. I'm at the boys and girls club, or I'm at the park district playing basketball and playing dodgeball and doing my homework, and, and that helped me become who I am. Yeah, I like what you're saying, Coach, because that's kind of uh, that was my experience as well. It was like coming up the boys and girls club, the Y. Uh, all those kind of rec centers. And I think right now, as much money as there is out there, uh, there's some programs that should be stepping up and building these structures, man, for kids. Uh, because I don't think it's, uh, I don't know. They're, they're, as, a, as a nation, we may think about our young people as like, well, they're too busy on their phones. They're too busy with their uh, devices. But the reality is there's some kids that don't have devices or don't have phones to that degree. And really, they need somewhere to go. Uh, otherwise, they get caught up in some things they don't need to be caught up in because I grew up in, in a neighborhood like that, too. So I completely understand what you're saying. And, and, I, and I hope and if you ever need anything for me to get all that running, I'd love to help out. So I just I kind of appreciate what you're saying uh, because I, I feel that, you know, I've been working with kids since I was a kid, you know, 25 years now coaching young people. And uh, my heart really is for them and my heart really is for people in general. But the young, the youth, I don't think everybody's paying attention enough to them because they're too busy looking at themselves in the mirror. And uh, we got to wake up, got to wake up because that's the future. That really is the future. Whitney Houston didn't just sing it. It's a reality. You know what I mean? Like it's something serious. So I I do appreciate you bringing that up because I'm really passionate about young people. Now, uh, Coach, I want to ask you, what was your experience like as a player coming up through high school and all that? And I had a really unique experience. Um, when I was young, I would probably be, YouTube wasn't big in the 90s, so, <laughs> but when I was young, I would probably have been a YouTube sensation in my, my neighborhood. I was really, really good. I always wow. played up. I mean, I was getting recruited to high school. Um, and, you know, Chicago basketball is you're going to get recruited. <laughs> You're yeah. good. Yeah. Look at high school trying to get you a place somewhere. And I was fortunate enough to go to St. Joseph High School. Wow. I was good. I said Thomas went to Hoop Dream. Yeah. I went to that high school to play for James King of Tour. And highly regarded when I got in there. What's unique about it, I got in there. I sh- probably should have played on varsity, but Coach King of Tour um, didn't want me to play on varsity. Um they had one of their worst years, and we just thought it was a couple bad apples, and they want uh, those guys to, didn't want me to experience those guys and get around those guys. So I played freshman, and the end of the season, uh, during the playoffs, I got moved up to varsity as a freshman. Never played varsity home year. Moved up to varsity and uh, played like 15 minutes in the varsity game during the playoffs. Now, we lost, but that kind of helped me to start on varsity for the next two years. And it was bumpy. I had a great sophomore year. I uh, played the likes of D. Brown, Shannon Brown, 
um, I would be like the Chicago Bulls at St. Joe's because we couldn't get past uh, Provisor East with that D. Brown, Shannon Brown, and several other uh, really good players. My sophomore year couldn't get past me. Junior year couldn't get past Shannon. We left after my sophomore My junior year couldn't get past Shannon. Um, then my senior year, we finally beat him. And uh, we got uh, super sections one game away from heading to downstate. And uh, we lost to Simeon. We had Calvin Brock, who's uh, Mr. Basketball in that, in, uh, in that year, from that O4 class. And, uh, and that was Bob Humbert last year. He was the head coach of Simeon. So I had a decent career. Then from there, I went to Laramie County Community College and that's in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And honestly, I wanted something different from Coach Pingator, who I dearly loved. I'm blessed to he passed away last summer. The all-time winning coach of Illinois High School Basketball. But I wanted something different. And Ronell Davis, who was an assistant coach at Proviso East, um, when I played against him, he was an assistant coach. He got the job in Laramie County, kind of stayed in contact with me, and I wanted some, you know, more freedom. And um, I got a late score in the SAT, so I just ended up committing to Laramie. And I ended up getting the score late, but I just wanted to stick with my, my players for Laramie. So I played two years for Rodell Davis at Laramie County Community College, all-time assistant, but second and still um, kind of rebuilt the program. And, they were struggling before I got there. Struggling the year that I was there, too. Trust me, we were terrible my freshman year. <laughs> I went to leave. <laughs> uh, we won all the time in high school. I got to Laramie County. We, we struggled. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, and I, I think that's probably when I started becoming a good recruiter because Coach uh, had some really good guys visit campus. And I was like, man, we're going to be better next year, Coach. I'll host them. <laughs> um, so I hosted them, and we, we really had a good season my sophomore year. Then um, for me, after that, it wasn't about you know the level of school. I had Division One recruiting me out of Laramie, but I just decided to go to Queen University of Charlotte, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, really good Division Two school um, academically and for, uh, basketball. So I decided to go there. I knew their situation was for me. I wanted to play and win. So I knew they didn't have a point guard in the roster. And I knew they had a history of winning. So I went there two years, back-to-back 21 seasons, back-to-back NCAA tournament. Um, and that's how it ended for me. You know, I, I won pretty much three or four years in college. Won at uh, St. Joe's. Uh, always were a part of winning teams. And, and uh, I thought I had a pretty good career, a good run at it, you know. Made the tournament at Queens, uh, lifted Laramie County Community College 20 wins, and um, I obviously got St. Joe's back to his winning ways. We had a year off um, when I was a freshman, we weren't that good, and we won the next two years. So, pretty, pretty good career. Yeah, man, it sounds like it. A lot of winning. You know, that's, that's kind of the idea, man. It's like you want your experience to be something where it's like, yeah, you want to have a good time, but you don't want to be losing while you're having a good time. Like, Winning, no matter what happens, winning cures all, all ills, if you will. And uh, and you talk, I did, you know, you talk about Coach Pingatori. I mean, legend, man. A thousand thirty-five wins, man. That's 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 big. That's big time as a high school coach. Um, Isaiah Thomas, yourself, you know, guys like that coming through. William Gates, man, hoop dreams. Will Gates, yeah. Will Gates lives here in San Antonio now. And uh, yeah. I, I get to see him from time to time. It's it's kind of a trip, man. When I see him, I'm like, man, that's that's hoop dreams right there in, in the flesh. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, man, that's really, really, really cool, man. You come from that that legacy and that uh, 
that li- that lineage, if you will, because uh, Coach Pingatory has a real legacy uh, in his program there too at St. Joseph. So that's great, man. And yeah, winning, winning. Yeah, and, I, and I would say this. I would say this about Coach Pingatory. He was consistent in everything he did. It was the first time I ever seen a practice point. Every day he had a practice point. So when I got to college to see a practice point, I knew what it was. But other guys may have not known what it was. Yeah. I mean, he swept the floor every day. He was so consistent in who he was. And, and it really helped us uh, develop as a young man. Yeah. No, rest in peace, Coach, man. That's awesome, man. Good stuff. Now, who or what influenced you to go into the coaching profession? When I was in sixth grade, um, I told my family, you know, I'm going to the NBA or I'm coaching. Um, and I just, that goes back to some of the youth coaches I had, how impactful they were in my life. Uh, and then you go to high school, you got a, a legend like Coach Pinkett, how impactful he was in my life. Yeah. Then you got, you know, Riddle Davis, who's from the Chicagoland area, and played at Iowa for Dr. Tom Davis. He was impactful. He used to have me over his house. His wife used to cook. We used to watch movies. Like, these guys are very impactful in my life. Uh, Brian Good at Queen University, like, his, his wife is like a second mother to me. Wow. Uh, these guys were very impactful in my life. So that's all I saw was good people that coach. I, I know some people see coaching, but I saw good people that coach, and it made me want to coach. And, and I wasn't able to be, I know you mentioned my name in the same breath as Isaiah Thomas, but I wasn't able to be as good as Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> so, you know, I, I went back to what I, I spoke into existence in sixth grade. Either I'm going to, um, you know, play basketball in the NBA or coach. And, and that's what kind of influenced me, the, the coaches that I saw um, and the coaches that, that coached me and mentored me kind of made me want to coach. And I, I didn't know if I was going to coach, you know, eighth graders or high school or college, but I knew I wanted to coach and impact um, kids' lives. Yeah, no, the impact is everything because uh, you can't, the game is the game is the game. Like, there's, there, there's, uh, we all, you know, as coaches, we all steal from each other as far as plays and strategies and all that. Uh, but it's the interpersonal stuff, man. Like that's really what coaching comes down to, what separates you from the next coach. And that, that's really where you find out what you're made of as a coach is how are you impacting the people, the young people that you're working with for serving all that. And, uh, so yeah, man, like that's great that you had that mindset now. Yeah. I, 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 you know, it's it's okay to mention you and Isaiah Thomas in the same breath because you guys came from the same background, if you will. So yeah, man, yeah. Even though, you know, Isaiah Thomas is a living legend and a Hall of Famer and all that. Hey, man, you're connected to him, and so that's something to be really proud of too, man. And I, and I think, and I think that's a that's a good thing, man. So, uh, do you have a memorable experience about your first time as a coach? Like, you you figured out like, whoa, hold up this is it. Like, I'm not a player anymore. I'm a coach. Is there any, uh, memorable experience that you had like that? Uh, for me, it's kind of the tough times that I went through. The first job I had was, uh, a volunteer coaching position at Hampton University. Uh-huh. Um, you know, my assistant coach at Queens University, West Long, is now an assistant coach at Middle Tennessee State. He got me hooked up with Kevin Nickelberry, who's the head coach at Hampton. And he was looking for a volunteer guy and I jumped at the chance. I played D2. I went to experience something different, so I jumped at the chance. Um, you know, 
I bought a used car after graduation. I got some money. I bought a used car. Uh, I had like five thousand in my account. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. So I went down there and slept on the assistant coach's couch, um, and, and worked camps, and um, just did a lot of odd jobs. Um, uh, you know, I worked at a sandwich shop the entire year because I wasn't even paid. So from eight to two, I worked at a sandwich shop, and from like two thirty to whenever, uh, sometimes one a.m., two a.m., I'm in the office doing whatever they need me to do. But yeah. a couple of things that that just I think was funny and kind of you know, memorable was we went to a foreign trip. We went on a foreign trip to Canada, and just me being twenty two, twenty three years old trying to make sure our guys are straight, they're making curfew. And I can remember, I'm calling all the guys and trying to get them in the hotel. This is like the first trip for us. I'm trying to get them back in the hotel at the time they're supposed to be at the hotel. And uh, they're sending me pictures from the club. <laughs> Dude, guys, you guys got to be here. You send me pictures uh, from the club that you're at. Like, we'll be back with you. We know where your club is. So that was kind of uh, memorable. And, um, you know, we went to the Great Alaska Shootout uh, and just trying to go get food, driving in the snow, uh, trying to get guys food for breakfast. Um, and the last thing that was probably me that I learned from um, from being in Hampton and it's kind of a memorable experience is just Coach Nickelberry resigning, you know, his last year. And that was my first job. So, yeah, thinking at least I'll be able to balance here for another year or maybe he can get me some money to not having a coaching job. Yeah. That kind of changed my outlook on a lot of things and it made me, um, made me be more to, to do stuff and have my resume and, and have my networks uh, and do a better job of network so that, that was kind of some of the memorable things that I experienced as a first time uh, operations guy yeah no man you you mentioned that story, man, about getting pictures from the club. That sounds like some uh, last chance you type stuff, man. <laughs> That's exactly what that sounds like. Like it, it's hard enough to get the guys to stay focused and, and locked in when you take them somewhere and they're in a hotel room, but then you let them loose. Like, oh man, <laughs> you gotta expect something. You know, on the way back on that is trying to trying to rile them back up and get them all you know, back in the stable. So yeah, that's, that's pretty good stuff, man. I like that. Now, you know, you talk about your time at Hampton, you talk, you know, and uh, the experiences you had there as a volunteer and then kind of going through that progression of, you know, working there and, and, and being a part of that staff and then Kent state and, and all your stops coach, uh, how they prepared you to be where you're at right now. One thing I would say, we, we won in every place I've been. Yeah. So that's one thing, just the, the preparation that it takes to win. Uh, you know, what goes into winning, how to win. Um, that's that's one thing I kind of learned, the preparation. And, and for me, just to have a lot on my plate at the different levels, you know, being at, uh, being at Division two. Is usually only one full time assistant. Yeah. Um, so you have a lot on your plate, and you're doing a lot of things from fundraising, uh, ordering food, to ordering, ordering uniforms, to scheduling, uh, to recruiting. And same thing at Hampton. Um, usually only had three assistants when I was at Hampton, so I can remember, you know, 
at halftime just checking on the food. Just having a lot on your plate, then as you move up, there's more people there to help you, or you have more staff, I should say. You have more staff to help you, so you have less on your plate, so you can focus on those things. You know, I can't say that I had recruiting, styling, player development, and I have like three academic guys that I have to make sure they're okay. Whereas at Hampton, I have so much more scheduling, uh, order and stuff, make sure travel is okay. Um, so it's just different levels. You have more people and you have less stuff on your plate so you can kind of stay focused on, on less stuff. And and having a lot of stuff on your plate, what it told me is like you can do everything. Like you learn how to do everything. So anything that you get, wherever you go, you'll be prepared to do. I mean, I've done together. I've done laundry. <laughs> I've done yeah. almost anything that a basketball coach has done and, and it prepares you to do those things when you get to the next level. Um, and even if it, you know, the stuff that you're doing may be minimized, it helps you because you've already done it. And now it helps you even more because you can lock in on those things. Yeah, no, man. You become more of a, uh, uh, you know, your toolbox gets bigger, right? And And you're sharpening your skills at all these different things because you're talking about working at smaller schools, smaller institutions where you have to wear more than one hat. And then now at Florida Atlantic with Coach May, you're you're a real weapon for him because he can if at times he needs to rely on you to do certain things, there's nothing that, that you're too that you've ever been too good for. You've done it. And uh and you're yeah. and you're able to serve like that because that's man, every head coach needs guys like that. He needs the Swiss Army knives, if you will. Uh, and if he's got his, his assistants doing, you know, everything that, you know, he may not want to do or want to do, but knows that he's got to uh, delegate certain things, he knows that his guys can handle it. And so that's uh, that's really, it was really good, coach. Like, that's uh, that's what those experiences, as far as your previous stops, that's where those things have paid dividends. So that's, that's so great to hear, coach. Now, I want to talk to you about, you know, the people, the kids that you serve young people that you work with, how, what excites you about working with them? Just, just even talk about them, you know, that excites me. Um, for me, it's the process. Um, I, I know for the guys that I coach, especially the younger ones, sometimes younger players, they don't like the process. No. You know, they want immediate gratification. But for me, it's the process, the practice, the growth. You know, yeah. seeing a guy go from, you know, 185 to 215, seeing him from his freshman year to his junior and senior year, uh, the process of working with these guys and the adversity that you got to help these guys get through is what excites me all the time about these guys. That's what, what really drives me just to make sure that I can help them through the process. Um, and that's, that's exciting, man, just to send these guys through process and holistically you know seeing them through holistically not only when they graduate but seeing them when they get married seeing them when they have a child like that's what excites me when one of our guys uh, one of the guys I, I happen to coach texts me a picture of their kid or texts me that they're getting married like one of the guys I coach at Hampton he's going to get married next year um uh, one of the guys I coached at Hampton had a child, he sent me a picture of it. Uh, and just sent him through the whole journey. You know, we always say here at FAU, it's not a four-year relationship, it's a 40-year relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah. So just seeing them through a whole journey is exciting. You know, just seeing a freshman when they walk in, I always take a picture of the freshman. You know, the first day that they're they're on campus, then I go back and look at it when when they're uh, when they're leaving and graduating. Like man, maturation of it is um, is impressive. So just seeing that, seeing that, that's what excites me. And seeing these guys after graduation uh, really excites me. That's great, Coach. Yeah, the holistic approach. I had a conversation with the coach this morning about that, about uh, taking a holistic approach to just how we're even working with ourselves. Like you talking, it's funny you said seeing guys go from one eighty five to two fifteen. I'm thinking like I'm trying to go the other way, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's but that's the that's the approach you got to have, man. Like you care about the whole person, not just now, but for the rest of their lives and. You know, getting those pictures with their kids and their wives, getting invited to the wedding. I mean, that's just a sense of pride because you know you were part of that process and the good and the bad of it, you know, the the, the ups and the downs. And so that's really good, man. It's really key. But yeah, I'm trying to get from that 215 to the 185, man. So hopefully I'll be proud of me when I see that. Now, <laughs> now coach, how do you look like right earlier? We talked about kind of what's going on in Chicago, right? and the violence and then of course what is this all stemming from in, in a sense is the civil unrest that's going on in our country and, and i kind of want to go deep with this man because this is really you know here again when we're talking about how we serve young people and how we want to help them how do you look to help navigate players through all these times right now where everything's kind of wild and and just uh kind of confusing the biggest thing for me is just educating them and not only them, myself. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I, I remember June 10th, I sent out a text message to group text message to our guys and educating myself on it, too. Um, you know, that's the biggest thing for me, educating them on voting and trying to get all our guys uh, registered to vote. Uh, financial literacy. Uh, in the black community, that's one thing we've always struggled with. Like, I didn't know until my third year of coaching to create a CIA craft account and one of my coaches told me that King, you know, you know, make sure you create this account, make sure you save your money. Yeah. Um, having different speakers. I got off the phone yesterday uh, with Akbar Cook. He's a yeah. FAU alum, principal of Westside High School in New Jersey. He's doing yeah. some amazing things in New Jersey and you know, I think it's important for our guys to hear from him to see a guy that played basketball that was pretty good at basketball and now he's a principal. Because at some point, our guys are going to finish playing basketball, whether it's after college or after they play professional. And they're going to have to do something with their lives. So seeing other guys that are doing something with their lives uh, can probably help them along the way. Yeah. So our biggest thing and my biggest thing is just helping them by listening to them. And see how they're feeling about everything that they're going through, educating them, uh, and having different speakers that's like them come speak, uh, and having successful speakers come speak. I think sometimes we all get in the basketball bubble, and even when I played, I was in the basketball bubble, just driven to to do uh, basketball and work hard for basketball. That sometimes we tend to forget, like okay, life after basketball. I can remember yeah. I thought finished playing. I knew I wanted to coach, but it's something different, man. When you finish playing, you don't have a, a regimen to, to practice, to work out. Yeah. I, it took a toll on me for a couple months. I'm like, what am I really going to do? You know, yeah. Am I going to be able to land a coach 
coaching jobs or this or that. So just having these guys prepared after college is important. And that doesn't mean that some of the stuff with the police is not going to happen. That doesn't mean our guys aren't going to get pulled over. Yeah. But just preparing them if they were to get pulled over or if they can reach a level of success that it, it won't happen as much. Yeah. Um, so that's the best that, that I'm doing. And each day and night, I'm thinking about other ways. I'm talking to other guys about what they're doing and, and learning some black history and, and other history that I didn't know about. I'm, I'm really trying to learn that to educate myself so I can provide the information for the players I serve. That's great, Coach, because, yeah, you don't want uh, what happened yesterday with Deshaun Jackson. I mean, just kind of throwing out information that you're really not versed in. Uh, you, you see something you like, and then you get hot about it, then you want to post something kind of wild out there, and you really got to, like you said, educate yourself. Like, you need to do the research before you go out and disseminate it to your players. Don't just go off of your opinion or your uh, emotions. Because then you may misguide that player or those players or whoever, your kids even. I mean, you, we think about how we impact players and we think about our house first, our kids, our children, our, our spouses, whoever's with us. And uh, so, yeah, I'm glad you're learning that, Coach, because that's I think we're all learning that too, to, to kind of yeah. look, look deeper into the situation uh, so that here again, we don't form opinions uh, based on our feelings and our emotions because that's really not helpful. Uh, it really isn't at the end of the day. Like Our emotions and our feelings, they're good. It's good to have those. Uh, but if that's all it's based on, uh, it's not It's not going to help anybody. It's just going to keep sparking more rage and more anger. And I think we really got to get to a point where education is the key, knowing the facts, knowing the real. and uh, And then we apply that to you know how we feel about things and if it lines up great if it doesn't then maybe we need to rethink some things and i think that's how we all get better i mean it's, that's how it works in sports right like you keep doing the same thing over and over again not getting any success and that's called insanity uh yet we we stop our our players and say no do this try that you know development player development i think people development is what we need to get into uh, ourselves you know self development so that's what you're talking about and i like that coach i really do so I, I appreciate you doing that because uh, the you know the kids and the, and the young people that you lead uh, will appreciate it. Now, you know you talked a little bit about what you've sacrificed over your career, but what have you you know today where you're at Florida Atlantic? Is there anything in specific that you could say? You know, I sacrificed this or I invested into my future uh, to be where I'm at today. The biggest thing I sacrificed time with my family um, and, and not my immediate family I know people say you know they be home they're not going to be home with their immediate family because of shooting and, and, uh, and because of basketball in general but just my family in Chicago yeah. um, just coaching at different places and not being able to spend time with my father who passed away February 14 um, wow. my mom who's still alive um, and my brothers and, and my nieces and nephews my sister so that's the biggest thing for me I've been going since I was 18 from Cheyenne to Charlotte North Carolina to Hampton Virginia back to North Carolina to back to Hampton back to to Ken, Ken Ohio to Florida Atlantic so I've been going uh, since I was 18 so the biggest thing for me I sacrificed 
my family in Chicago. Um, and it, it kind of hit me when my father passed away in February. Like, man, I, I didn't spend as much time that I should have spent with him. And it kind of motivated me to make sure that I'm communicating better with my family, that I'm spending time um, with my family. I just went home for the fourth. Uh, I didn't take my, my family with me, uh, but I went home by myself to make sure I spent time with my mother. I mean, we stayed up to one or two in the morning just watching her favorite show. So uh, <laughs> that was important nice. to me and, and spent time jumping on the trampoline with my nieces and my brother. So that's the biggest thing I sacrifice. And, and like most coaches, we all kind of sacrifice money early in coaching. You know, almost any coach that you can talk to early in coaching probably went into debt or sacrificed money. You know, I took out two credit cards when I volunteered. And I was fortunate enough to have Coach Pingator who sent me money as a young coach. And nice. West Long was at Middle Tennessee State. He sent me money as a young coach to help me. But I still, you know, went in debt. Um, so the biggest thing for me is just I sacrificed a lot of time with, um, that I could have had with my family and uh, and just sacrifice uh, money, um, which, you know, I'm blessed now, so it, it paid off. But early on, a, a lot of young coaches probably need to hear that, like, you're not going to be able to make what you want to make. But if you keep working and, and you keep being a good person, there's a potential there for you to have a good living. But the best thing about it is we're doing what we love to do. So yeah. even if I wasn't making the money I'm making, even if I had a regular job, I'd probably still be doing what I love to do. So, yeah. you know, I'm still blessed and still fortunate to coach and ball. Yeah, man. Sorry to hear about your father, man. And uh, I, I just, I think about those things like you're talking about, like we, to get that time back is just so, you know, it's unattainable for the most part. But like you said, spending time with your mom, uh, that quality time, you know, my dad always taught me because him and my mom were always working, right? And always busy helping out in the community and helping people, right? Uh, that There was times where I felt like, man, what about us? And my dad taught me, you know, you may not always have the time that you want with your family, but when you do have time, make it quality time. Don't don't worry about the quantity, it's the quality. And I think that's uh, something we all got to kind of realize as, as those in the coaching profession that, you know, you may not have all the time you want with your family, but when you do have it, make memories, man. Make it memorable. Don't just leave it there. Don't just be on your phone. Don't be on devices. Like, shut everything off and spend time together. Uh, and then I think that's interesting. Talk. Talk more than anything. Talk. Be open. And so that's great, man. I, I, you know, I completely hear what you're saying. Now, you talk about family, your immediate family, your wife, your kids, all that. How important is that support system for you? Very important. My wife is my number one fan. I got an eighteen month old daughter. She's the folks second number one fan. Um, obviously my friends and my brothers, you know, they they're always um, you know, supporting me. Uh, I, I got some really big time friends. One of my friends was in Ford the other day. Uh, so they're they're always looking and seeing how I'm doing and checking on me. Um, that's huge, you know, to have people to give you uh, words of encouragement when you're down yeah. uh, to have people you know listen to you vent that's important to have a big time support system and, and I, I feel like I have one of the best you know and, and not only that just the staff that I work with like we got an equal with staff so they're a big support system you know we talk about in the office 
uh, you know, uh, stuff that we're going through, or, and, and we all give advice to each other, and we're really close. Like, they're not even, you know, co-workers. They're friends. Even my, our head coach, uh, he's our, he's my boss, but he's more like a, a older mentor and a friend. Um, so just having a good support system is huge if you want to make anything in life. Like, not only coach basketball, but just anything in life. And, and unfortunately, not to even have, you know, my pastor in Virginia, I can call him right now. He'll pick up. Uh, he'll text me and check on me. Um, and, and that's huge for me to have those people in my life uh, to understand that I can reach out to them anytime and they'll pick up the phone. They'll get back with me if they miss my call or text. Uh, that's huge. A- any walk of life, that's, that's huge. You have, have, you have to have a good support system. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, uh, you know, when you can when you can be secure in who you are and like you talked about earlier, being encouraged, uh, we all need, we all have those points. We all need to vent. Like you said, uh, it's just really good to have that. It's just so like your soul, your soul feels good. I think that's what we kind of as coaches and, and people who are always on the go, we don't, we, we don't, sometimes we overlook our, 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 our health, you know, we don't eat right or we don't take care of ourselves. We don't, exercise and then some of us do because the gym's right there right next to the office so we're we're in there we're getting it but then we don't do we forsake our soul like who we are inside and uh and man you never want to lose track of that and having people in your life to be able to talk to 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 get all those things off your chest and that weight off your shoulders man that's that's big time and that's great coach because you you're you're entrusted with leading young men and uh that's that's that takes a toll sometimes and you want to make sure that you're always on point so that's great coach now i want to ask you coach because you've you've explained to us you know how how much joy you get from being from seeing that process like you talked about but i want to know specifically who you are why you do what you do uh, who am I? It kind of goes back to my father i, I get a lot of traits from my, my parents and we all do um my father is a relentless worker. He's the hardest guy ever seen. Hardest working guy ever seen. Like he worked so hard, but he was also also selfless. So for me, that's who I am. I'm, I'm selfless. Uh, very similar to my father. Uh, my father was he served people, and that's who I am. So even from basketball, like I, I like to assist more than scoring. I, I, at the end of the game, I was checking the scorebook to see how many assists. I was kind of disputing with our scorebook keeper, like. Dude, I swear I had more more assistance than that. Uh, So, you know, I I like to serve. um, And and for me, just trying to be consistent. The people in my life, the males in my life, um, they were really consistent. My father was really consistent. Uh, The coaches that I had were really consistent. So I battle and I fight for me being consistent in the guy's life that I coach and and also in my family life. and my wife does a good job and calls me out and holds me accountable when I'm not consistent yeah. um, in who, who I want to be. Um, and like I said, the system, that goes back to your support system. You know, you got to have a good support system that, that can call you out and you're not being defensive about it. So for me, just trying to be selfless, uh, accountable, committed, uh, and transparent are probably words that describe me the most. You know, I'm going to be very transparent. I'm not going to sit here and tell you a bunch of lies. Like, what you see is what you're going to get from me. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm going to be committed to everything I do. I was at a couple places for a short period of time, but I feel like all those places are my alma mater. I feel like I attended all those places. I still support them. You know, I, I'll call them about recruits, any good ideas. I'll get, get those coaches that hired me and try to um, pitch those ideas to them. Um, I'm still close to every coach that I work for. Um, so that that's commitment commitment in, in a nutshell for me and just being accountable like a, a lot of people struggle with accountability yeah. and even getting called out on it like I don't mind getting called out that just makes me uh, work harder to get better at it. Um, so that's who I am and that's honestly you know why I coach hopefully I can some of the things that the players see from me it will help them in their life because that's some of the stuff I saw from my coach yeah. Uh, so hopefully they they see that and say, you know what, uh, it, it may not happen now, but when they graduate four or five years from now, they say, man, Coach King did this, he was like this, um, and, and that's what I try to do. And for the for the most part of you, guys, you know, who am I? That's who I am. I'm, I'm here to serve. Like I I want to be a head coach, and hopefully, you know, I'm blessed to be a head coach. But if that, if it doesn't happen, I'm doing what I love to do, and I'm serving. Even when you're a head coach, you're serving someone. So for me, that's that's who I am, and I'm gonna always try to be that way. And if I'm not, I hope some people are there to call me back, call me out, and hold me accountable. Yeah, no, you're. Your wife, and as your daughter gets older, she'll she'll hold you accountable. I'm, I, I got you know, I got I got one wife and four daughters, so I know what it what it what it takes to, to get called out. I mean, it's not it's not hard, man. They they're more than willing to do it. So yeah, coach, I I hear you 100. percent That's fantastic. Be consistent, like everybody listening, like that is um, be consistently good. <laughs> Don't be consistently bad. Uh, but be consistent in the things that, you know, we talk about what gets you somewhere may not get you to the next place. Uh, and I think that's what we all got to look for is how to adapt and be consistent and be consistently on time, be consistently a positive, be consistently, you know, open to change and new ideas, be, be consistently a hard worker more than anything. So yeah, I like that coach. I like that a lot. Now, you you have you've had a, a, a here again we talked about your career where you've been uh and in kind of where you're headed now what have you learned about yourself throughout your career learned so much because you changed too you know yeah. as a young coach uh you know now i'm 34 this is my 13th season coaching wow you know, i'm very fortunate to be coaching for 13 seasons uh but you changed so much. When I played, I was very emotional and I looked at everybody that I played against. I looked at them, I disliked them. Yeah. Uh, I, I disliked them because that motivated me to play harder. Like, I really disliked them. And as a younger coach, I felt that way about the team and the coaches. <laughs> like, I disliked them no matter what. I disliked them. So, I had to grow out of that. Like, I can't. How can you grow in a business and build a relationship if you dislike someone? So I had to really kind of take the emotion out of it um, and just coach. And after the game, you know, hey, whoever I shake hands with, you know, that that's what it's about. And even if I have their contact, you know, I have to be more sociable with other coaches. Uh, but when I was young, I was a pit bull because that's all I knew. 
you know, play hard, and you're not supposed to like your opponent. That's what I was raised up on when I was uh, playing. So I just took that into coaching. Nobody told me, hey, team, it's okay to be friends with the, your opponent, your rival. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I changed that aspect, and I'm still working on trying to be, not trying to be so emotional. Uh, because the emotion, basketball, you are, it, it involves emotions too. Um, and you still have that little bit of uh, being a player when you coach, so yeah. you get a little emotional. So uh, you know, I, you know, I hope next season I can be really good at that. I know from season to season I'm good at it sometimes, and I'm not so good at it. Uh, <laughs> I always judge myself uh, after the season, and I'll tell my, I tell myself after last season I thought I was too emotional, and I thought the first season I wasn't uh, that emotional. So hopefully finding that even balance, but. You just find out so much uh, throughout coaching, and, and you learn so much um, about yourself. And for me, it, it starts with you know just trying to take as much emotion, emotions out of it, and, and just serve these guys, no matter what happens on the court. Try to teach them because in the end of the day, we're teachers, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. You can't be an emotional teacher. <laughs> you know, if somebody's on the soccer board and screaming and yelling, I don't think you'll learn like that. I, I mean, it's time to be firm, and it's time to do that, but I have to learn how to be a better teacher and, and take more emotion out of it. So that's the biggest thing I've learned from these 13 years. Like, I have to really take emotions out of it and be a better teacher. Yeah, no, that's great, Coach. You know, take the emotion out of things and be a better teacher. Yeah, I mean, the emotion and that that uh, that kind of vibrato, it comes from just being a competitor. I think that's what it is. Because sometimes we we feel like we want it more than our players do, and uh, that just comes with com- being a competitor, man, and being passionate. And but also learning how to tone it down. Uh, so that you can get your point across, because a lot of these new these new new school players, you know, they don't respond to the to the to the rah rah stuff. A lot of them don't, and no doubt. they respond to just give me the clear cut strategy idea, the point of what we're gonna do. Please talk to me that way, and I'll do my best. You know, that's their mentality. And uh, you know it's it's pretty rare when you find a group of kids that you can you can kind of get up and yell at and they respond like they're like you said there's a time and a place for all that for sure there's a, there's well, a time and, to, and each kid is different too. yeah yeah that's what I was saying each kid some kids it takes that uh, and, and you know a lot of universities and, and colleges use a test to to get an understanding of how to coach a kid and some kids it takes that some kids it just takes Pulling off to the side, pulling over to the side, and saying, "Hey, you, you need to play harder, or you need to do this and that." And some kids they like the, the emotion and the passion and going at them, and that gets them going. So yeah. it, it just varies from kid to kid. But for the most part, like you said, if you got thirteen guys, only two of them are going to like to be coached with emotion and passion and hard. Uh, two or three of them, possibly. Um, but the most part, all the guys will like to be coached and. Uh, and spoken to in, in the correct way, which we should be, and, and just talk the game, and they're gonna try the best, like you said. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, I think I think that just comes with, uh, you know, emotional intelligence, man, and just uh, learn how to work with people. And I think that we're always learning, and that's always changing, like you said. 
as a coach, you're always changing. So that's good stuff. Now, coach, uh, my last question is always about legacy because, you know, now you're, you're in 13 years into coaching. Uh, I'm sure you got a lot more left at the at tender age of 34. You still got a long ways to go. And uh, so I would ask you, coach, what, what would you want your legacy to be when your career is all said and done? For me, I, I know everybody will be like championship winner. For me, it's not even close to any of that. For me, it's just being a good person. Like I, I want the players that I coach say, Coach King was a good person. He was a good husband. He was a good coach. He was a good father. That's what I want my legacy to be. Like he was selfless. He served us. Those, those are things. For me, that carries more weight than me, you know, one day being, um, if I'm fortunate enough to be a head coach and winning 500, 600 games, obviously I would want to win, but if I win those and my players, you know, just like Sam for me, um, I would feel a certain type of way. I would feel like I, I, I didn't fulfill my purpose here on earth if, if I didn't mentor these guys. And, and be a good husband, good father, uh, and a good person. For me, that's the number one thing, being a good person. Being a person that these guys can always reach out to um, when they graduate, or like I said before, when you know when they get married, or when they have a child. Uh, I want to be that type of person where I can help them uh, 40 years from now. Coach. And that's what I, I would like my legacy. Yeah, yeah. No, Coach, I appreciate that. That's uh... – Solid stuff. I mean, you come from winning. Like, you know what it is to win. But, yeah, you don't want that to be all you're known for or to be that. That's the main thing. Like, you want to be a man of the people. That's how you want to be remembered. So, Coach, I appreciate your time. I really do. Thank you for being on. And thank you for sharing your perspective. Well, no problem, Mike. Um, thanks for this platform. I've been listening to a lot of great coaches and learning a lot. Uh, I really appreciate you. No, thank you. Thank you all so very much for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. I love what I'm doing and I love the fact that you're listening. So you follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47. Leave feedback via uh, iTunes and rated and all that good stuff so we can look nice and pretty on there. And, uh, you know, just leave feedback. I want to hear from you all because I appreciate you taking the time and making the time to, to listen in. So here again, thank you so very much.